So, hi, Graham. Welcome back. Thanks very much, Evan. How are you? Yeah, perfect. So, um, everything's still exciting. And uh, one of the most important questions for today um, is CDI Lite ready to ship? <laughs> ready, ready to ship? Probably not. Um, but we have, it has passed the first hurdle, which is to get uh, to cast the vote for approval with the um, specification process. So it's it's not it's gone from being an idea, uh, a proposal to being a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, that's good news because it means it's happening. Right? Uh, any doubts of whether it was happening or not have been eliminated. Right? Very good. Now, and what I saw, you became the Jakarta e committer, right? <laughs> yes, I am now. I'm now a committer on the CDI project and participating. In weekly meetings, planning light um, specification, and um, and yes, I am progressing the um, implementation on the Micronaut side. So um, uh, we still have to figure out exactly how to get the TCK running because it's uh, light and build time enhancement. It's a bit different in terms of how we have to set up the TCK CDI, the existing TCK. Mm -hmm. Which is really designed to be run with like application servers and deploying like JBoss and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, and which does everything at runtime. So that you know, large part of the work is going to be reworking the TCK. But in the meantime, I have been working my way through the implementing the spec as written uh, in the specification documentation. Uh, so I suppose I'm about like fifty percent of the way through right now. A whole bunch of stuff is working in Micronaut, like. Um, Produces methods, disposes, disposes methods, um, all the different scopes, contexts for working. So you can find different um, bean contexts, uh, requirements. Um, um, and, um, you know, uh, programmatic lookup is working, injecting instance, yes, initialization of SE containers working, container initializer. So, um, yeah, I think. Big amount of progress has been made. I think there's still a lot to do. Next month, I should start working on the build time extension API, and that's where I think we'll probably I will get more involved in terms of sending commits and PRs to the project because um, the the build time extension API is going to be involved over the next six months mm -hmm. to to be and a final version that everyone agrees on. Uh, since this, you know, life doesn't include the runtime for extensions, mm -hmm. um, and it essentially has a replacement for build time extensions. Question. So, so as a yes. as a uh, Spring guy, I can tell you, or still Spring guy, or at least you were a passionate Spring guy a few years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Are you now proud to become finally a Jakarta e committer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was really on the periphery of the battle of the. Um, Spring versus Java EE guys, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly I was a Spring user and Spring developer and, and, and actually, you know, um, quite a bit of my name is is on the Spring data and mm -hmm. sprinkles of it on the Spring code, code base. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, these kinds of religious battles, I think, you know, there's definitely... I think there's definitely things that about CDI specifically that I think are well thought out mm -hmm. and nice. There are other things that are like not not so well thought out, <laughs> not so yeah. nice. But, yeah. but that's the same in spring side, right? So yeah. that's the same in spring. So no, it's spring not not a... not that serious question. But uh, this is always yeah. no to see the reaction because um, yeah, I, I think this is not battle is more like philosophy you know the um, yeah. the jakarta and cdi was all about backwards compatibility and like multi runtime and uh, my 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 point of view is like spring focused more on best of breed and, and and the best possible implementation and this is no if you if you're moving fast you cannot be always compatible and if J jakarta you move slower and and you have always you know to have committee to to talk between vendors you are moving slower and this was maybe you know the difference but um yeah i mean that's 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 absolutely the difference and you know uh i think you know ultimately spring became dominant really mm -hmm. uh, we have to accept reality that 
spring is dominant um, because um, developers have real problems to solve now. And if you're waiting around for the latest specification to come around to address those problems, uh, you're not going to like solve those problems. So uh, a prime example of that for me was JPA, which, you know, JPA took a long a while like the next specification to manifest itself. Uh, Hibernate is clearly an important technology. But while all of that was happening, you know, um, Spring was implementing support for document databases and Cassandra and Elasticsearch and all the other different types of databases and Redis that have become popular and, you know, that are not standardized, right? So, um, or any way, shape and form. Um, and you can't apply JPA as a specification to those databases, right? You you are uh, absolutely right, but uh, your point of view is more pragmatic. What I saw mm -hmm. in project is more like, you know, they uh, used Spring with 80% of you no know, Java e technologies like JPA, and this was no, and there was no explanation for it. So if you would use no Spring because it adds added value on the standard, so it's just you no know, unquestionable. I mean. You have to use it. You cannot just wait for Java e or Jakarta to evolve. But uh, this is, I'm completely with you. So uh, if you say you need more than the boring APIs, is what I call the Java e. It's just like, I don't care at all about CDI. It just works. I just pick it. And then it's a different story. But um, back to um, to CDI Lite. So uh, my understanding of CDI Lite it will be like the um, the, the minimum is my, uh, and, and means uh, it will come with optional or without even scopes. And... Um, and be better. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna have scopes, yeah. But, scope. but not session scoped. I think no conversation scope. Like you will only have, I think, the request scope. I think an application scope. I is. think, uh, I think, conversation scope is the only one that's gonna be. Oh, I think session scope is still being debated. The conversation scope is definitely not gonna be included because it doesn't make much sense. But session scope, um, you only need servlets and HTTP session for that. And is is going to be part of CDI Lite session scope? You think? I mean, session scope. You don't need a Java container for to support session scope. Right? Sessions are a universal concept across all um, HTTP servers. It's not necessarily something tied to a particular container. You, you know, uh, Micronaut servlets, right? So I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but for example, Micronaut Mike runs on Netty, right? There's no yeah. servlet environment there because uh, okay. we support se sessions as well. But sessions okay. got many as well. Yeah, so there's still, there's there's and I think the same for like. Quarkus, right? Quarkus supports running on Vertex, which is not server either. But but you can, um, in Quarkus, you can add the, uh, usually the um, HTTP server from Quarkus. I forgot uh, that there's an extension and then you get proper servlets. I think Helidon yeah. does not support servlets at all, I think, right? So Helidon, they say we ignore servlets for now. And um, Looks, yeah. I think they might support their servlets in, in MP, but I, I'm not sure that Helidon guys will mm -hmm. know more about that. Um, Micronaut supports servlets as well. We have... Um, we have uh, a sub-project that lets you run Micronaut on Tonka and Jetty and, mm -hmm. and Undertow and various other server environments. Mm -hmm. And build a wall file and deploy it to wherever you want. I tried to find your work on Micronaut and CDI Lite, but it's hard to find. So if you know Google for CDI and Micronaut or CDI Lite and Micronaut, there is nothing. So is this like a secret repo where you're working on the CDI or where to find your work? Uh, well, most of the work is is conversations and discussions right now. So um, you'll find all of those conversations and discussions on the um, currently on the CDI mailing list, which mm -hmm. uh, we, you'll send like, weekly summaries of the meetings and discussions. And then uh, there's a GitHub project as well called uh, clips e for day forward slash CDI. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, where lots of issues are being created and pull requests are being and discussion that's being happened. I'm, you know, it, certainly I'll be sending some PRs that way. Um, you know, many things have been decided there in terms of uh, one of the main one of the main ones is splitting of the um, bean manager interface into two because light light cannot um, essentially support um, the entire bean manager interface, which includes many many uh, things that are not applicable to light. Um, so. So um, uh, the uh, new super interface called Bean Container, which Bean Manager extends from, will you know, essentially provide like a subset of those um, methods that are compatible with Light. Mm -hmm. And um, and the plan is, of course, that 
you'll be able to go after stuff, right? Where yeah. you build, you can build with lights and it will work, but you can take that same light application and run it in full and it will still work. So, you know, um, not break, you mentioned not breaking compatibility and that's still a, a goal where, uh, you know, um, the plan is that, um, extensions written for lights will be able to be deployable to full and extension, you know, even though they're build time extension and, um, and, you know, applications built with light should be easy to put port to run on for essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's more like um, a factoring or layering approach, right? So like mm-hmm. the layers are now introduced afterwards. So yeah, will, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're running on light, you get certain interfaces, you certain, and many of these things can be like caught at build time, right? Uh, because build, light is build time oriented. So if you use an API or feature that is not supported in that environment, you, you would get like build time warnings mm-hmm. and error and so forth. So now, what is the ultimate goal of Light uh, besides refactoring? So what I understand is to make it more, you know, cloud ready. So what it means, I, I can already imagine what's the goal is, but what's what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, fundamentally, if you look at the design of like Micronaut and Quark, this is new frameworks that are, you know, gaining a lot of traction and interest. You know, developers are more and more um, containerizing their applications and running them in environments like K8s or... Uh, or containerized cloud providers, and um, and w- and these are like essentially like immutable infrastructure, right? Um, where that don't change. Um, and if you look at the design of like traditional Java E or Jakarta, whatever you want to call it now, um, containers, you know, they're really designed for redeployment, undeployment, dynamic, uh, changeable state, into, um, and that means that uh, you know they. They include a lot of features that result in um, quite significant increases in startup time, memory consumption, uh, uh, and so forth. So, you know, like if you do the weld, you know, it, it, it uses extensive use of runtime bytecode generation, um, dynamic proxies, reflection, and all of that stuff um, chews up a, a lot of memory, which is kind of unnecessary in a containerized world, right? Because it's just not, like, not needed. Um, and ends up with, with applications that you know increase in startup time, and, and and when you compare building applications in Java, or, you know, with those kind of existing frameworks, like those existing containers, like um, sure, of course, you could containerize uh, a big uh, Java application server like JBot and put it in a container, but you know, it's, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, when you when you want like services that. Uh, come up and come down and very quickly and um, in, in a microservice environment and, um, you know, essentially scale up and scale down quickly. Those instances have to start up fast. They have to come and go quickly. They have to be responsive to, and, and, and they have to use less memory, right? Um, and this is, a, this is actually why, uh, you know, some, some companies transition to, to writing, um, microservice in go because yeah. they can comp- compile some native that you can put it in a container and the container is tiny and like scales up and scales down um the comparison i always give is like uh you know kubernetes itself is written in go um and you know imagine if in a world where like kubernetes was like written in java and you wanted to run a local kubernetes cluster on your, la- your laptop or with like you know dozens of containers running dozens of java versions you know, <laughs> we don't even have the amount of hardware necessary to run that kind of, you know, so, so, you, you know, we need to build more optimized um, container instances. Um, and, um, and that's what like, uh, Micronaut and Quarkus and so forth are, are allowing you with, you know, strictly even paired with probably a native image. Um, cause AOT is also a key aspect of going native, um, is allowing developers to achieve, um, uh, that, that kind of containerized small application that is, uh, and even if it impacts as, as certain aspects, like for example, you know, I've been building recently this, um, you know, microservice showcase with Micronaut for, for our cloud. And, um, you know, we were using like test containers, right. To mm-hmm. spin up, um, instances of backend microservices that one microservice talks to another with, uh, talks to the other one, mm-hmm. uh, in an integration test. And you want to spin up the other microservice, right? Uh, in the integration test and, and test it. So that microservice is, is written, the, the one you're testing against with test containers is written in, um, 
in, in Java and running in JIT, it actually impacts your productivity, right? Because you have, you have to write several seconds for this uh, mm-hmm. thing to like start up yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whilst you, you can spin up a native microservice with Micronaut and Graal VM native image instantaneously, like almost instantaneously with that containers. Um, so, um, you know, it's typical in, in the microservice architecture for, uh, for development teams to provide here, here's my service, here's the containers running and spin it up and test against it. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and if that container takes a long time to start up, it's, you know, ends up in a frustrating experience. But there, but there's an, but there's an interesting counter movement. I don't know whether you mm-hmm. know the, uh, guy, uh, this is French, uh, excuse my French pronunciation, but this is Romain Mani Boucan. You know the guy mm-hmm. from, from Tommy? Yeah. And, and, and now he's working on uh, a kind of Kubernetes inside a single JVM. Yeah. And yeah. also interesting, uh, Graal VM, of course, they have isolates, right? And in these isolates, they're also thinking about you no know, allowing multiple, call to call it, yeah, multiple isolates. It's like a very small, not ears, but how to call it, deployables or or, or not even processes inside Graal VM. So it's also interesting. I mean, that there is a counter movement because Kubernetes itself is very heavy. So, you know, you have to run, you know, all the, the th- it, it is very slow. So regardless what you are mm-hmm. starting, this is for me, it is really too slow. It, it reminds me the old Java E days with XDoctor and everything where I see Kubernetes is my, you know, impression, not even Java, just starting anything, you know, because until it starts and all the liveness and readiness, all the yeah. defaults, and you cannot, you know, put the defaults too low because if it's too low, uh, then it gets killed. If it's not, it is really hard to, to, to make it. Uh, how to call it fast, right? Not, not uh, yeah, not, yeah. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. And like um, Kubernetes is not something like I don't, I don't, I don't typically have any amount of fun running Kubernetes locally on my yeah. machine. I, yeah. I, I, that's not, it's not, it's not a great developer. The Kubernetes actually doesn't have a great developer no, experience, right? Exactly. No, it's, um, and uh, it's a bit of a beast, and you know, uh, to run locally. But you have to remember that, you know, that it's not, I'm not just referring to Kubernetes. So like Kubernetes is kind of like infrastructure layer, right? Yeah. If you look at like, like many, um, if you look at the cloud and the direction it's going, you have services like Google Cloud Run. Exactly. Um, this is what would be the next. And AWS App Runner. And I'm sure upcoming services from Oracle, um, where, uh, where basically, uh, you can just like, Say, hey, run this container for me, and uh, and scale it from zero to hundred automatically, and just yeah. like manage it, right? And that and, and that provides that layer on top is what provides the developer experience, or, you know, in the cloud. And you have the same requirements there, right? And and then of course, apart from that, you have serverless, right? Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, serverless, um, um, you know, Java is essentially almost almost irrele- irrelevant in the serverless world because um, um, until like, uh, you know, for many use cases where cold starts are, 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 are a factor, um, until, you know, native image came along and was like, hey, well, you know, we can build this into a native thing. We can run it like um, uh, it's completely serverless on, on, you know, on Lambda or Oracle function or, um, uh, or cloud run. And scale to zero, and it comes up, and that native image, you know, uh, in fact, might not launch the backend for like generating your application, and might not is running serverless, and you know, it um, it has a cold um, start response time of like just over a second, which is remarkable, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, largely thanks thanks to AOT native image for RVM. Um, and, and so. Um, you know, if we had packaged that same application into it and run it via, via JIT, um, you know, the cold start would have gone from one second to 10, yeah. eight, eight, eight or something like that. Um, so, so, you know, which is unacceptable for a lot of applications that are like trying to like run serverless, right? Yeah. So, so what, know, I understood, what, of... I, what I understood from the CDI, from, from, from the thing is, this goal of CD, <laughs> CDI Lite, uh, the, the main goal is, to make CDI more memory efficient and uh, CPU efficient, Absolutely. so it starts faster, and therefore 
uh, they have to get rid of reflection as, as, as much as possible. This is the main goal. If there is no reflection, you can prepare everything at build time and then everything is smaller and starts faster, right? This is the main goal, which is reasonable. Absolutely. And, and also... Um, because you know, light, you know, if you are here, light or micro is always questionable. So what light actually means, you know, because... Uh, yeah. The, well, the name yeah. is still not fine. The, the name is still not final. Maybe it will be like, you know, changed before the end of, you know, and call something else. But it's, you know, it's relevant for a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different use. Like, actually, it's going to expand the, um, the landscape of CDI applications, right? And take CDI into places where it's just not used today, right? Yeah. So I'm talking, I'm talking about places like, uh, command line apps, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's using CDI to write command line apps because, uh, outside of, uh, Micronaut and, and, and Quarkus, because basically, you know, it's, it's, just, you can't it's hard to convert to native and uh it doesn't start up fast enough and then um uh, in addition to that you know nobody's using uh cdi to build iot apps right that's another use case where you need to run on device yeah. you know in a in a in a very memory constrained environment um and my colleague todd sharp has a, has a great uh blog series uh about you know using micronaut to to essentially, you know, run edge nodes on IoT devices and and um, for um, you know for growing seeds and all sorts of things like that, right? And and um, creating uh, hot source essentially. Okay. <laughs> so so um, you know that then that's also an you know important destination. And and then you know thinking a long term, there's interesting projects like Luon where you know they're actually getting Java and get running on iOS again. Um, thanks to native image, you know, and you know, there's, you know, examples of using, you know, Micronaut with, uh, glue on, uh, Micronaut for DI to build a, an iOS application. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we have to you know, look to expand the reach of these specifications because if CDI stays constrained to just like running on, uh, Java E, uh, you know, application servers, then, you know, that it's going to see much. Yeah, future growth. Yeah. Um, back to the application given... service because uh, I'm, I'm a consultant and you know my my clients ask me you know what the, what what is the right architecture or whatever and the funny fact is that the uh, application server so um, and the current one Open Liberty Pyara Whitefly they mm -hmm. are surprisingly well suited to run on the cloud but in uh, containers managed by let's say Kubernetes like orchestrator because mm -hmm. the you know. In enterprise, there is actually no need for rapid scalability. Mostly, you know, you have two containers running all the time. And if you have to scale, maybe you scale, you know, to three or four after extensive tests and they, they run forever. And the cool story was because of the um, separation between the application server core and the war, uh, the, 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 the interesting part is there was no Fed jar or Uber jar. So... Uh, what you can do with JBoss and uh, and the others is you can create a container image, the base layer, which is the application server with all your libraries, push it to, you know, to the Docker registry, and then you would ship several times a day just a tiny war, which was perfect. And uh, we just, you know, measured the CPU overhead, and this was not that much. So it actually, it, it would never pay off uh, if you would, like, you know, be able to reduce the memory consumption a half or even lower, it simply doesn't matter if you're just running, you know, and sometimes even they have, uh, they buy the hardware uh, in advance from, from AWS and the others and Azure, I'm sure from Oracle as well, so you get the discounts. So, but yeah. you mentioned something, and this is now becomes the killer use case. Uh, um, um, the killer use case for Micronode on GraalVM is serverless, what you said, because if you, um, or even, you have to be also careful, what I did a math is uh, to run back a uh, quarkus on jvm mode a sim simple application and it's called you know um once a second the entire month so you you will just you know pay a few euros so for that so this is not not a big issue but of course if it scales up so and uh, if this call takes twice as long as long you will pay twice if it consumes mm -hmm. twice as memory you will also pay twice so if you have lambdas yeah. which are very popular, let's say, right? So serverless yeah. functions, then it makes a difference. Then you get the business case. And if the microservices like you know, Micronode, Helidon, 
or Quarkus can be compiled to native image, you could reduce cost by half or even more. Just, you know, without any, without any changes to the architecture, to changing the framework. And I would say this is the killer use case for the new runtimes like, you know, Micronode in serverless Lambda-like, you notice know, the, like the cloud functions, uh, Azure functions and, uh, and, and Lambdas. And from the architectural point of view, the Lambdas is used often as integration points, not like, you know, the main architecture. It listens to Kafka or listens to S3 events and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the traffic depends on the, on the, and the fire horse, basically. So, um, so I would say, yeah, this absolutely. Is, yeah, this is because, you know, the people say, okay, this is, uh, we, we have to be efficient and they, they have huge efforts, they, you know, they change frameworks and then they, they ship a boring application to the cloud, which runs on a Docker container on, in Kubernetes and there is no scalability in the enterprise. So, I mean, this is pointless, but in serverless, it makes absolute sense. And many, you can go to your manager and show, you know, if we change this to GraalVM, we will save this amount of money. So this is, this is, I mean, this is very clear because there is a cost calculator on AWS, on Azure. So you can really show this to the business people. But uh, if you try to know, to, 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 to show the difference on Kubernetes, this is almost a difference because, you know, if your container runs all the time, whether it consumes uh, 60 megs of RAM or whatever, it doesn't really matter, I would say. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the way you build, um, your layers, you know, can certainly, you know, the same happens with, 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 you know, Micronaut, Clark, or Spring Boots, etc. When you build a layered uh, um, Docker image, uh, you know, you're only essentially pushing the changes uh, to the to the Docker agency because the way the dependencies are separated out and so forth. Um, but you're absolutely right that uh, for a large amount of companies, it's not going to be necessarily like. Um, especially migrating like existing applications um you know and that's why you know you know companies like oracle have invested in getting things like web logic running on on uh, kubernetes right because you can still you know there's a whole bunch of applications out you know mm-hmm. millions of applications out there that you know still going to run in that environment so and that's not going to change anytime soon but you know, for these, as you said, for these new workloads um, and for new architectures, uh, and for the way applications, you know, um, should be designed in the future, Quarkus, Micronaut, and and so forth, um, uh, and CDI certainly provide um, an interesting option. And what also in- very interesting, but we already talked about that, is the, you know, the the ability to um, I know JaxRS. Uh, the best. So uh, what we do, we can ship a JaxRS resource as a AWS Lambda. And this is yeah. huge productivity gain because you don't have to know to fiddle with the not that exciting Amazon low-level APIs with the streams and whatever they offer you. So, you know, the um, AWS events get automatically uh, transformed to standard Java types, which is huge. So what basically means what we can do right now, we can pick um, an existing application and ship it as lambda and if it starts fast yeah. this is not like a business decision what is cheaper you know if this is not as popular we can run as a lambda or we can run it as a as a as a container app yeah absolutely we, you know that that's um the same with micronaut right so yeah. you know with with um micronaut launch the, the sample app uh, you can use, use that as a reference app for doing that with micronaut you can essentially take the same app and you can deploy it to uh, Lambda, Cloud Run, you know, Oracle Function, uh, serverless, or package it up and deploy it to a, as a wall file to a serverless container, or deploy it to, um, or as a patch jar running Netty, or, you know, pick your, pick your deployment dest- destination, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and, you know, that's a compelling, compelling model. Um, because you don't have to like rethink how you you build applications, and you can you can basically choose uh, choose your deployment destination, like you said, and you, you can and you can kind of like even do it like halfway through the project where you're saying, okay, this the service is like not getting much traffic, so um, maybe it makes sense to like shift this one through to uh, serverless workload and very little code change, pretty much no code change. And this is huge. I would say this yeah. is huge because uh, this is a, uh, I would say, simple programming model. You have to say, you know, the same API, and you can decide later where to where to put it. And I would say this is not f- emphasized a lot, but it's a huge selling point of the modern Java frameworks that they can actually do yeah. this. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is not obvious. Um, and you know, and we've we've spent with Micronauts significant time investing in that space. So we have, you know, support for Google Cloud Function, Azure Function, Cloud Run, Lambda, Oracle Function. You know, all those different um, serverless environments you can take in an existing application. If you put the if you include the JAXRS module that uh, that we have, you can put JAXRS on the page and load it, and you can push it to one of those um, serverless environments and uh, and run it behind. Uh, and in the case of Lambda and Oracle Function, you need an API gateway in front of it. But that's fine. Put an API gateway there. You can even generate the API gateway configuration from Micronauts. Micronaut has built-in support for um, building your Swagger definition at compile time from your endpoints. Mm-hmm. So you take that build time Swagger definition, you feed it into uh, uh, Oracle Function or Lambda's uh, API gateway generation tools, mm-hmm. and it'll generate all the routes to your Lambda and, uh, from the, from the, the Swagger, and, you, and you're done. How far are you with the CDI extension on Micronaut? Is this any progress, or are you still officially on this? Or is officially, are you still only supporting the GSR three thirty, or are you more towards the more complete CDI spec? So what's 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 the progress? You said that you already supporting yeah. producers and disposes. It is uh, is this uh, supported on paper or already supported by the framework? Uh, it's already supported, but in. Um... In a project we haven't released yet. Ah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. In, a, in an additional layer, um, basically, I'm you know about 50% of the way through. So all of the scope annotations are supported. Normal scope is supported. Context, uh, uh, context are supported, like application scope and defining your own context. Mm-hmm. Injection, inje- programmatic lookup is supported. Injecting of instance is supported. Um, uh, yeah, all the different annotations or uh, disposal methods are supported. Um, I think what I have left to do is implementing support for CDI events, events mm-hmm. API, mm-hmm. Um, and build time extensions. Um, everything else is pretty much done. So, um, so I, I, I suspect we will have something uh, more concrete to announce in Q3 timeframe, I imagine. Okay, and uh, do you have any plans to support more of the micro profile specs, or is just not on your horizon? So the plan there is, um, you know, the, uh, the CDI likes um, implementation based on Micronaut will be essentially be um, consumable by Helidon, right? So Helidon will uh, use Micronaut for dependency injection and and um, and CDI support instead of well, as it's based on now on Helidon MP. Um, or at least it will provide an option to, to, to run on light. Um, and uh, Helidon is really microprofile compliant. So you would essentially, um, uh, Helidon would es- essentially become the microprofile version of Micronaut. Uh, ah, very good. So it means, right. uh, because Helidon right now still relies a little bit on reflection. And uh, with your work on CDI Lite, they will be able to do more build time optimizations, right? So they're, they're going exactly. to be Exactly. So, yeah. so every single, once they move to using Micronaut uh, CDI Lights for all their modules, um, they'll all be AOT ready uh, auto- automatically uh, without them having to do any additional work to optimize them for native image. And um, the reflection will be eliminated. Um, startup time will be a lot faster, uh, for MP and yeah, it, it will, uh, you know, um, provide a essentially native ready micro profile runtime. These are great news. And, uh, what will be the distinction? So, um, the Micronode will be more about a uh, spring compatibility and the Helidon more about micro profile compatibility or what would be the, you know, the distinction between two from the API perspective? Well, you know, I think like this is kind of a... It's like a little bit like a conversation where you know people come to me and they say, "Yeah, Micronaut is a web framework." Uh, no, <laughs> Micronaut, Micronaut is not a web framework, right? It's mm-hmm. um, it's a general purpose mm-hmm. application framework that provides dependency injection, AOP build time, um, build time uh, enhancement and analysis of your application built. You know, so. Um, you know, Helidon doesn't provide any of those things. It's it's really a microservice library, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so the frameworks are hugely like 
actually really complimentary. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Helidon will essentially uh, provide an audience for um, the you know microprofile community, and it'll be part, you know, be powered by Micronaut. Um, and you know, on the Micronaut side, you know, Micronaut already has a very large existing user base that are you know are 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 happy with the um, you know existing APIs, and we have to continue to maintain those. It may be the case that you know. Uh, that that side gradually moves towards more stand, you know, wanting to engage with the standards, and at some point we make a decision. But um, but you know, ultimately uh, there are a lot of features in Micronaut that um, that users enjoy. So and and really the, the the real benefit here as well is that you know Helidon will be able to use any Micronaut module, right? So whether you oh, okay. w- whether you want to use Micronaut data or Send messages with Micron Kafka, or you want to send, you want to, uh, you know, send messages with any of the messaging modules for Micronaut, whether it's JMS or whatever. You can, you know, inject those. Uh, Micronaut has like really broad support for, uh, much broader than um, Helidon's support for things for you know, alternative clouds and so forth. Um, so you know, it potentially could be an avenue for getting Helidon running on serverless more um, yeah. and so forth. So, um, you know, there's lots of different potential um, in- integrations. And actually, you know, in terms of overlap, the, the, the frameworks only really overlap in one area, which is uh, how you build the HTTP yeah. <laughs> layer in Microsoft. Right? So, no, no, no. For me, um, so what I really appreciate in Helidon way, so I, I have just one dependency basically this is the micro profile and the other one which i forgot this was like uh this is a a minor one and i'm ready to go and in in micronaut case it's more like specialist tool you know i'm 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 creating a highly optimized runtime but i have to to know what i'm doing i would say it's really hard to start with micronaut without the launching uh, launch wizard right because you will have to set up the annotation processes or you i tried that so i managed to do this but you have to know what you are doing. So you cannot just, you know, create Maven project with Micronode from scratch, right? Would it able to do this? To create, you know, Micronode, let's say a JAXRS bean validation project with Maven without the launcher from scratch. This would be a challenge, Graham. I would be able to do it with uh, Gradle pretty easily. Because Gradle, oh, okay. Gradle, okay. Gradle, Gradle has much support, much better support for, uh, well, not, I wouldn't say much much better, isn't it? It's just much more syntactically Concise, yeah, okay. You know, um, to cons- um, we may even set up annotation processes is a bit more. Um, ah, okay, yeah, but because involved, you know, we had the right? plugin exactly, it was a little bit verbose for me. So okay, this this yeah, that, that so, does not look clean. Yeah, okay, but it is kind of solved uh, quite a bit. Uh, we did a lot of work in the more recent version of Micronaut uh, for Maven users to basically um, add a parent POM. Okay. Uh, so, um, so in fact, uh, to get going with Micronaut today now for Maven users, uh, you actually only need um, one line at the, well, the, you know, the definition of the parent at the top of your POM, which is I the Micronaut group ID, artifact ID, Micronaut parent, the Micronaut version you're using, uh, and then um, you're pretty much ready to go. Uh, you, one dependency on Micronaut inject, if you want to, and if you're using dependency injection, and one dependency on Micronaut validation, if you're using invalidation, and you're 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 ready to go. Okay, uh, and, it will, and, it will, and it will set up all of the um, annotation processes for you automatically, mm-hmm. without having to do anything yourself. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we have worked on improving that scenario for Maven users. Um, and actually, if you, you know you mentioned launch, it's actually a good reference as well as um you know to see how things are done because you go to might not launch and you select maven as a build tool and you click the preview button you can select the pom.xml and see what it what a micronaut project's pom should, mm-hmm. should look like essentially mm-hmm. um so there it's uh, it's not so bad with the parent pom um uh, yeah, in terms of setting up yeah I'm a little bit uh, careful with all the launchers because I don't know whether you ever saw the white for, white how is called white white fly swarm uh, wizard back then. It is now end of life. 
And I always used the white lie, and the white lie had one dependency, and I was happy, right? And the white lie swarm, they asked me, would you like to have JaxOS with transactions, JaxOS without transactions, JaxOS with this transaction manager? And then I have to answer, you know, 20 questions. And at the end of the day, I got something similar, which I had, you know, for 10 years. <laughs> and I said, what do you want it from me? And so um, what I also appreciate is like the, how to call it, build simplicity, right? If uh, the, the, the build, from my perspective, POM or Gradle, is part of the source code. And it also has to be clean and simple. And um, what... Um, what I think what uh, a micro, uh, the Helidon already doing this, uh, you could prepare some kind of a profile. So like, no, this is my common dependencies. And this was my question regarding micro profile, because it's obviously there are you know, a couple of dependencies, which we always have. And then you only have to add this and you are done, right? So if you add such a thing, a prepared, you know, bomb or whatever, um, then everything is set up. And the, the cool story is what I really appreciate is you are not a unique snowflake, you know, because every project is a little bit different. If you get a problem, you probably, the, the more different you are from the others, the harder will is going to find, you know, the answer to your question. But if everyone runs the same build, you know, the the uh, there is a more probability that you will find, you know, the solution to your problem, right? Indeed. Okay. Yeah. But, um, and uh, another question, cloud events. This is like, you know, uh, are they any significant for Micronode? Because this is a spec. The question is, you know, is it, uh, it a nice spec and very simple, you know, to consume and to produce? Uh, do you have to do something with the cloud events in order to you know integrate with the, to the clouds or is it not on your radar right now? Uh, cloud events are not on my radar right now. Uh, there's so much, uh, you know, going on. Uh, things are always sort of like changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's something I, I do need to look at. Thanks for pointing it out. I'll certainly take a look at it. Yeah, no, it's just a very simple spec JSON base, so it's very easy to to understand. But uh, it mm -hmm. is like you know, several clouds are probably using this for emitting events, and I thought you already had to consume the cloud events and translate them to HTTP or whatever. This was the question: whether you had already used that because of cloud integration or not yet? Not yet. So, um, oh, one question. So you are the expert. Uh, I cannot pronounce this right. Micrometer or micrometer. Uh, how you how you pronounce micrometer? I don't know. Some people say micrometer. Others say micrometer. Micrometer, um, exactly. The, yeah, uh, I I think when I'm speaking to US people, most of them say micrometer. I don't know if it's uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, who knows? I think either is fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit drama in in microprofile spec, at least you know uh, from my point of view. So what, what in what microprofile matrix did, which I really liked, was. And there was a separation between technical and business metrics. So there were two scopes, you know, like uh, metrics. This was the vendor or application-specific metrics, which I ignored usually at the beginning of my projects. And slash application, this were this metrics, which I created by myself. I could uh, mm -hmm. create my own registry, metric registry, and add, you know, the the metrics. And uh, then I only saw this metrics in the registry. So now what uh, micro, what Corcus did, they uh, they say, okay, future is micrometer or micrometer. And um, and uh, the problem is now I have to fiddle with filters and I'm absolutely not interested, you know, to play with filters and whatever. So I would say this is very common use case, uh, at least in my project always was, to separate, you know, the the KPI or application specific metrics, like my counters, you know, how often uh, mic uh, Micronode was downloaded and how often, you know, the download failed. Like, you know, a very specific KPIs from garbage collection, uh, RAM and all the stuff which I don't care from the application perspective. And uh, and it seems like that in the micrometer world, you have to build it by yourself, which I was amazed because it's a mess. And uh, at least it would be a mess in my enterprise projects because no consultant, you know, would think from beginning about the separation. So I would assume it's a common best practice to separate, you know, like if you have Prometheus, two registries, like, you know, the technical registry and the business registry. So you have mm -hmm. any thoughts on that or? Yeah, it seems, um, yeah, it seems, I mean, I think in most cases you would just separate them by, by a namespace where you're reporting metrics to uh, in the Macrometer world. But, um, you know, within, within the case of Macrometer, I, you know, I just think, you know, developing metrics backs, the, the complexity with metrics is in developing metrics backends um, and like reporting metrics to, to, um, to different, you know, backend, uh, registries. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, Macrometer is one of those things, you know, it's a project that came out of, uh, some of the experience I, you know, from John Snyder, who basically worked with Netflix and, you know, 
looked at their requirements. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that you often see this battle play out where there's like an attempt to like standardize something versus an attempt to uh, versus a open source project that becomes de facto standard. Right. Um, and that's essentially what's happened with Micrometer. You, you can't, Micrometer is like the practice standard, right? Because it's integrated with Spring. It's integrated with Micronaut. It's integrated with, you know, many other different projects. And what the Quarkus guys realized was, you know, that, um, the, the amount of effort to build out, um, all the different, uh, metrics backends that have, that has already been done with Micrometer because Micrometer supports everything, right? Every cloud, every, every, you know, um, uh, it's, it's just immense. And like we're trying to re-architect that into a standard. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was crazy. Probably what, what, what they maybe could have done is tried to have micro profile metrics backed onto Micrometer or somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, Micrometer has become a bit like SLF4J or any other libraries, uh, but like you know, even Zipkin. Uh, Zipkin is pretty much de facto standard for distributed tracing. Not Jaeger. Um, is still, you know, um, Jaeger attempted to to rebuild tracing, you know, um, distributed tracing based on you know work already undertaken with Zipkin. Zipkin again came out of Netflix as well, um, and um, you know they they attempted to create certain standards like open tracing, and that whole thing was was a fiasco as well because open tracing was oh this new standard for tracing. Um, and Diego supports it, uh, um, and then, you know, if you, if you, like a year or two later, oh, no, no, open tracing is deprecated. Um, and we have like open census and then our open census is deprecated. Now we have open telemetry. Exactly. Um, so it, you know, the tendency to standardize those, those, those problems like metrics and distributed tracing, uh, have failed repeatedly. Um, and I think, in my opinion, microprofile metrics is just another example of that, right? Uh, you can, um, and, and now what the, the world we live in is you have, you have Quarkus, Micronaut and, and Spring using the, the, the same metrics backends, which and Helidon as well. I think Helidon also moves to, right? Um, Helidon just added Micronaut as support yeah. because they had to, right? Because yeah. now, now, because everybody expect, expects their metrics to be in the same format now. You know, whether you're building with Helidon, whether you're building with Spring, or whether you're building with Micronaut, or whether you're building Focus, they expect the metrics to come be coming into the back in, in the same shape. Um, and, and that shape is what Microsoft defines pretty much, right? Yeah, that, that, um, that's, that, that's interesting because uh, from developer point of view, I have completely different experience because what mattered to me that the metrics emitted by something are Prometheus compatible and you know and, and now open metrics compatible, but it should be somehow you know consumable by Prometheus. So for me, Prometheus was like de facto standard everywhere. And now even AWS so, and Asia recently provide uh, out of the box uh, uh, support for Prometheus in CloudWatch. And recently Amazon even you can you can uh, install uh, manage Prometheus. This is very new service. It seems like you know the open metrics and Prometheus standards. Gets more and more accepted everywhere. Yeah, I mean, Prometheus is is um, is extremely popular. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's uh, really reached de facto standard. It's certainly one of the most popular. Yeah. Um, but you know, Prometheus has a particular model, right, which is based on um, each microservice or application exposing a Prometheus endpoint and then having a centralized scraper that like exactly creates mm -hmm. all the data exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, then they have, you have different metrics backends that support more don't support that model. Then they're more like a push-based model where you know metrics are centralized. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Macromedia supports all of those backends. Um, so so really, you're you're running you know reporting metrics to a specific cloud system, or you're reporting metrics to um, StatsD, or you're reporting metrics you know whatever you're reporting metrics to. Um, yeah, you, you can I, I know. So micrometer, had, but um, I, I hear you. But uh, I would say micro profile should not implement the metrics. It should just you know provide the annotations and how and the API, and they could absolutely use micrometer behind the scenes. So this is this is absolutely yeah. What, I I think I think what they what could have been done is you're right. But I mean I mean, I wasn't involved in that. No, no. So I don't know. But uh, what could have been done is they they should have kept 
So one of the problems with, with, with common mistakes with like standards, and this is actually why we're in this situation with now CDI and becoming CDI light, is because there's often like um, overreach yeah. in, in mm -hmm. specifications, mm -hmm. right? Where, where they try to do too much, yeah. um, uh, or they try to define too much, and, and that's the hardest thing I think to get right, you know, in, in, in any standard, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's often better to like keep it narrow, uh, yeah. like JSR. JSR three thirty is an example of that. We you know, very focused, small standard, easy to implement, um, yeah. etc. Um, well, CDI is is like huge. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like enormous, right? Uh, beast of a, a specification with lots of different moving parts and lots of yeah. assumptions and requirements and whatever else. Um, what 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 happened to CDI? Just a, just a funny funny thing. As it came out, many projects thought, you know, uh, I mean, enterprise projects thought they have to use everything, you know, and they used all possible features from CDI like crazy at the beginning without no reason, you know, everything were interceptors and decorators and, and, and stereotypes. And I say, why are you doing this? I mean, we have a simple CRUD application. We don't have, you know, to, to be able to replace every class and make everything, you know, composable at, at runtime. Yeah, also exactly. Extension, because in the, enterprise the, project, everyone will try to implement everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the runtime extension model in CDI is just like incredible, like nuts. It's like, yeah. It's so dynamic, and so um, and yeah, and I think like in general, like if keeping the if I had a recommendation for like microprofilers, like just keep the standards like narrow and yeah. like yeah, these are the annotations, you know how how the metrics are reported, like is relevant to me, and I think that would have been um, you know a better scenario, um, and the same and you know the same thing for other aspects, you know um, I have concerns about by other standards standards in micro. Uh, MicroPipal, for example, um, MicroPipal messaging, uh, you know, where they're prescriptive about a certain API on, you know, I think it would have been better once again to just define, you know, this is the outgoing invitation, this is the incoming, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. and leave like how the actual consumption of the message, like how, mm -hmm. well, this is like what a message of interface looks like. And, and that's it, and the actual consumption of how the message like operates. You are absolutely right, because from the matrix, the, usually what I did, uh, I just, you know, injected the registry, which was the microprofile registry, but I have, and what I just did, I created a counter on the fly, increased the counter, or I exposed a method as a gauge. So this was this what I was looking for. And whether it would be implemented with micrometer or not, I, I didn't I don't care at all. <laughs> I just need yeah. something to be increase and decrease. And and yeah. uh, and now it seems like the micrometer is the pr preferred thing and I, I will have to implement the distinction by myself, which I don't like at all. I mean, it is not a lot to do, but you have to be consistent in every project to do the same. And this is lots of you know, repeating overhead in, in enterprise projects. And this is what I don't like at all, not appreciate at all. But yeah. this is no, just you know, my, my thought. And uh, I know you are, uh, you know, micrometer and uh, there is a, a tutorial micrometer in Micronaut. So I was just curious about your opinion about that. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's also why, you know, I understand uh, <laughs> the, the yeah, micro profiles kind of philosophy is like, you know, to try and move fast, mm -hmm. but you know, it's like a little bit like replicate the spring, but like if you, but yeah. that's, a, that's the problem with specifications, right? Yeah. If you move too fast, then, then, uh, you're not backwards compatible. You have, yeah. You, you have to back, you have to backpedal again. Yeah. And this is why in microprofile there's people have to also realize microprofile is not really like a set of specifications, but more a collaborative framework. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Uh, it, it's so, and, and that's different to Jakarta E or you know, anything else, which is Absolutely. fine. That, which is fine, but that, that that's that's what it is. It's not like a, it's, it's not it's not it doesn't appear to be at least guaranteeing compatibility in the same sense. Perfect. So what I would like to do is reinvite you back until CDI runs perfectly on you know micrometer, so officially, so I can try it out and give you okay. feedback. So we, we could have a chat about that on, uh, on micrometer. Yeah, for sure. Micro Maybe I can even we can even give you get you some early access or something. Like this would be nice. I would like to you know, play with it, and uh, then we have a chat, and we can you know have a chat about that. Sure, sounds awesome. Thank you. What's your Twitter handle? Graham Roche, all one. My name and surname. Uh, Perfect. One. I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a lot ag again and see you next time. Great. Uh, thanks for taking the time to speak to me.